0: I are speaking nothing but English now. So we should feel at home when we get to America. A very nice idea. <laughs> to America. <laughs> to America. <laughs> to America. Uh, the sweet and sad. watch? Ten watch. Such much? You will get along beautifully in America. This is Plausibly Live. One of my favorite scenes in the film Casablanca. Which is filled with great scenes, by the way, it is my favorite movie. Is when the older couple, the, the Lushtags, invite Carl over to the table to have a drink with them because they're celebrating the fact that the next day they're leaving for America. And they talk about the fact that they are going to speak only the English from now on, because that way they will feel at home when they get to their new home in America. There's a little pause. By way of example, Mr. Lushtag says to his wife, Liebchen, which watch? And she says, ten watch. And he says, such watch? Carl says to them, you'll get along beautifully in America. It's a it's an example of assimilation in a way that is positive. Um, assimilation is one of those terms that we, we talk about. And depending on the context that we're talking about it in, it can be positive or negative. History is full of negative assimilation. It's full of forced assimilation, where... On a macro basis, a culture, a people, an ideology, a religion are attacked and forced to change, forced to assimilate into something else. Of course, I'm Jewish, so uh, my mind immediately goes to multiple attempts uh, to force Jews to convert to something else. Uh, The Spanish Inquisition in 1492... In the 1490s, uh, expulsions and the likes of that convert on pain of death or or whatever. Um, there's that. But, of course, there's the whole story of Hanukkah, which, of course, deals with the forced assimilation of the Jewish nation into the Greco world, the Greek ideologies, the elimination of uh, certain religious practices, specifically Torah study and circumcision, and fighting back to prevent that forced assimilation. That's a couple of examples from my own faith, but there are others as well. I mean, throughout American history, we've seen attempts at forced assimilation. Think particularly of uh, the conquistadors coming to the New World and forcing the Mayans, the Aztecs, the natives, to convert to Christianity. And the spread of Spanish Catholicism throughout uh, the, the Western Hemisphere, particularly in the Western portions of North America and South America for that matter. Even today, there's a lot of controversy about whether or not that forced assimilation, that forced conversion, was a crime or not. I mean, I'm not, it's not the place I want to go today, but we've seen in recent years in California where, um, you know, what what once was held up as an example of the culture of California, the mission culture, has now been torn down because of the ideas of the conquistadors and those who followed on from them. There are, of course, examples in our own United States history of, of forced macro assimilations where uh, we attempted in many cases to simply eradicate the Native Americans. There were many leaders at the times who said those things but but the general idea was to convert them to Christianity, convert them to the white man's ways, and force them to live not as Native Americans but as essentially white Americans, uh, one of the greatest uh, songs of the sixties. Paul Revere and the Raiders um, is is a fantastic song, talks about this. When I was growing up, there was a a story record. We used to have these records, and uh, it was the story of a young Indian who grew up in his ways and then was forced off his lands and forced to choose whether he was going to assimilate or whether he was going to essentially die. I wish I could find that record. It was had some great songs on it. Anyway, those are just examples of forced macro-assimilations throughout history, and this idea that you can force people to change to be what you want them to be. In most cases, forced macro-assimilations tend to fail because they're resisted, they're seen for what they are, and while they might be Successful, and I'm doing the air quote thing here, in the sense of forcing a national policy. Uh, in the end, they tend not to work out very well. But then there are micro assimilations. The Milserp writer and I were talking last week. It was a it was a wide ranging conversation that started, by the way, about uh, the the Air National Guardsmen who leaked the information, and I was. Venting to him about it, and this conversation as so often happens with us, uh, went in different directions and the Mill writer, Mike, who has a different background than I do, um, we have a love of history, we share that love of history, we share the love of philosophy of history. I think that's what i'm I'm really coming to learn is that we have a a serious desire to study the philosophy of history, as Will Durant uh, would have called it. And so our conversations tend to get off into different directions. And one of the things that the Millsurp writer and I were talking about was this idea of assimilation into societal issues, because we were talking about how these young people today in the military don't seem to have the same uh, passion for patriotism or nationalism, if it, whatever, whatever word you want to use there, that we once had. The, the idea that he shared with me is that assimilation is not always wrong, particularly when we consider how society changes through the years. Um, I grew up, as you know, in the 1960s and 1970s. This nation is a much different nation today than it was then. We have changed in racial issues. Now, I know that there's a lot of discussion today about race and those kinds of things, but I'm telling you, I grew up in a much different world that doesn't exist anymore. That micro assimilation of society changed how we see those things. Politically, uh, things have changed. But these micro assimilations can also be somewhat insidious. As I said, we, we started out talking about classified materials and the idea of military people, young military people, and the way that they do things. But we ended up talking about this concept of assimilation, which I have been thinking about for several weeks, by the way. And essentially, I've been thinking about this concept of assimilation, particularly from a cultural standpoint, uh, since the day the Dylan, Dylan Mulvaney beer cans came out. One of the things that the Millsurp writer said to me was that assimilation is or can be a survival skill. Now, he was talking about specifically um, the projects, growing up in the projects. Now, I don't know that Mike grew up in the projects. I assume that he did, but that's an assumption on my part. I My experience was much different. My experience with uh, That is based primarily in dealing in social services with people who lived in the projects. And he was right. Assimilation is a survival skill. It's something that allows a person who lives in a certain environment, who may not necessarily agree with the concepts, the ideas, the behaviors of that particular society, to function within it by assimilating and at least presenting the idea that they support these things. Just by way of example, uh, when I was in Portsmouth, Virginia, I used to take 30 days off every year to run the Salvation Army Christmas Kettle Program in Portsmouth, Virginia. And we hired a great number of single mothers many of whom lived in the projects. And I remember the date very well. It was November 30th. I was taking them home that night after the long work day. And as we pulled into the projects there in Portsmouth, keep in mind, I am a sailor from Utah. I'm 25, 26 years old, maybe. I'm not, I'm not very old. Um, don't have a lot of life experience outside of the Navy and submarines. But as we pull in there, one of the one of the gals says to me, Now you know we won't be working tomorrow. I didn't know that, and I, you know, kind of said, <laughs> I kind of went into boss mode, okay, why? And she looked at me and said, It's Mother's Day. Tomorrow is Mother's Day. Now this was 1980. I want to say nine somewhere in there. I had no idea what she was talking about, but this is an example of cultural assimilation where these gals had assimilated into the culture of living in the projects, which meant that on the first of the month, you stayed home. You didn't leave. You didn't go anywhere until the mail was delivered. Why? Because that was the day that the welfare checks were delivered. And if you weren't there, it was very likely to have been stolen. I didn't know that. They thought it was funny that I didn't know that. They explained it to me, and I said, "Okay, well, I understand. We'll, we'll make do without it. We'll, we'll. You got to do what you got to do. Assimilation of that nature. When you, when you live in a society that dictates how you. They didn't want to stay home. They wanted to go to work. They wanted to get paid. They wanted both the dignity of the job and the paycheck. But they also knew that if they didn't they would be taken advantage of. This idea of assimilation as a survival skill, which is what Millsar writer said to me, really hit home with me. I mean, it really did. Because the more you look around, the more you see this happening each and every day. When we talk about cultural assimilation here in the United States, and here in the modern America, You don't have to look far. You do not have to open up much of a newspaper, or if you still read a newspaper or a website, to discover that if you do not assimilate, if you do not accept certain things, if you do not at least present that you accept those certain things, you are very quickly going to be ostracized, if not, in today's language, canceled. We saw this with the Dylan Mulvaney thing. We, we, we continue to see it with the LGBTQ, and I don't even like that phrase. I, I would almost limit this to the transgender uh, agenda rather than the full LGBTQ plus ideology because it's really the trans agenda that's driving this. If you don't come out in support of it, if you don't assimilate, if you don't join in, you're the crazy bigot, you're the 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 problem, you're the person who is still stuck, you know, in the past, and you're the problem. We continue to see this over and over again. Uh, after the cans came out, we, we saw the uh, president of marketing for Bud Light come out and explain to us that it was just a bunch of rural cisgendered hicks that were objecting to this, that that this being forced down the throats of beer drinkers everywhere was just, you know, it was it was just a bunch of people who are bigots and they need to get with the they need to get with the agenda. And if they're not going to get with the agenda, well, then they're the problem. Well, in this particular case, it didn't quite work out because there, I think what they were trying to do was shift from a micro assimilation to a macro assimilation, and as we know, macro assimilations tend to fail. But on a micro system, we still see it every day, don't we? If you don't, if you question anything when it comes to the transgender agenda, you're the bigot. The shooting in Nashville, who's the victim here? Is it the six people that were killed or the shooter? The ideology that's being presented. And as part of this this micro-assimilation of cultural ideology, we're being told that our right to free speech, our right to free expression is no longer important because you can't question these things. You cannot do that or else you are the crazy bigot and you need to be canceled. And so we tend to, as a society, maybe not you personally, but we tend to adapt an assimilation as a survival skill. We don't want to get into these stupid arguments. And so we tend to go along to get along. Because we don't want to be labeled as the crazy bigot. Back in the 1930s, in the Soviet Union, there was a guy who decided that genetics was nonsense. He de- he, he determined that this idea of crossbreeding grain to create a more robust wheat, all of that stuff was, was nonsense. He decided that you could simply teach, not making this up, folks. You can go look it up yourself. You could simply teach communist Marxist principles to plants and they would adopt those plants. Those ideologies. They would convert, as it were, to Marxism, socialism, and that they would begin to function as good Marxist plants. This guy's name was Lysenko, and his idea was simply to force plants to assimilate into a Marxist society. Now, this was complete nonsense, of course. And the truth was that. Every scientist in the Soviet Union knew that it was nonsense. But the danger was that Lysenko was good friends with Joseph Stalin. And so, if you disagreed with Lysenko, you were likely to get thrown in the gulag, if not shot. And so, they began to assimilate into this complete and utter nonsense. This idea that you could teach a plant, an orange tree, to bloom in November and December in the Soviet Union because the orange tree had adopted Marxist principles. You you know, you hear the story about the emperor's new clothes, you go, well, it's just a, you know, it's a metaphor. This actually happened, folks. And millions of people starved to death because the Soviet Union couldn't grow any grain. Because Lysenko had convinced them that all they had to do was teach the grains. All they had to do was teach the plants Marxist principles and everything would be great. And the scientists who knew better were forced to assimilate and the truth got suppressed and common sense got erased and the truth went away. You know, it's a, it's a sad fact. Liberty cannot survive cultural assimilation. It just can't. If we put ourselves in the position where we can't question anything, where we can't talk about anything, where the where the right to free speech goes away because it might offend someone, we lose liberty. Liberty goes away. You can no longer determine your self plan, your, your your self-determination anymore, if you're being told that if you do not accept crazy stuff. You're just a bigot, and you need to assimilate. And reality is, most people are going to because it's a survival skill, and they don't want to be canceled. They don't want to lose their jobs. They don't want to be ostracized by society. Even though you have, as in the Soviet Union, you have one guy teaching this. It's a very small percentage of America teaching this idea that a man can be a woman and a woman can be a man. But it's loud enough and it's crazy enough that it's forcing this cultural assimilation. This is how you end up with Dylan Mulvaney on a beer can. Not because Dylan Mulvaney has ever done anything worthwhile. certainly hasn't done anything for this nation. But he's an influencer. And by definition, influencers, like like Laksinko, are outsized. They have more influence than they should, because what they're teaching is crazy. And yet, somehow or another, because we assimilate into this cultural idea, we go along with it. Liberty can't survive that. And especially on this day... April 19th, we are reminded that we as Americans hold liberty above all else. You have the liberty to pretend that you're a woman if you're a guy. And you have the liberty to pretend you're a guy if you're a girl. You can do that if you want. What you cannot do is tell everybody else that they have to go along with it. Because otherwise, it's literally no different than lysenkoism It's no different than forced assimilation. You are forcing people to give up their own self-determination for your own desires. That's not liberty. That's tyranny. And it was this day in 1775 that Minutemen stood on Lexington Green and said, you're not going to do that to us. You are not going to force us to assimilate into what you want us to be. We are free men. We have liberty. Above all else, we are fighting for liberty. And I really think that it's that lack of understanding, that unwillingness to accept liberty, not just freedom, liberty, which is why so many people are trying to make us culturally assimilate and force us to shut up and to not be able to say the truth. And the question is like, the Soviet Union, how many people are going to die because of the stupidity? How many people are going to die because some people want to force their will on everyone else rather than to simply, as Thomas Jefferson would have said, allow people to live their own lives the way they want to live them without forcing their way into my pockets or forcing their way into my belief system. I don't know where this is going to end up. I really don't. But I do know that assimilation is a survival skill. And as more and more Americans assimilate into this idea that a man can be a woman, it will erase more and more liberty. And that should concern us deeply. Take the time right now. Tell the people that matter in your life you love them very much. You'd miss them if they weren't there. So don't pass up those opportunities. You don't want to have that regret. Plausibly Live, I'm Dave Bowman. We'll see you next time. For the Dave Bowman Show.